Welcome back to another episode of Kaiju versus History. My name is Patrick, and with me, as always, is my mortal dinosaur enemy, Miles. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I I can see clearly now that the 50s are gone. <laughs> yeah, I can see all obstacles in my way, and it's you. <laughs> this <laughs> this week's episode is indeed a special episode. It is our kind of season recap or season's end? As for the last five months i think at this point we've been looking yeah. at primarily movies from the 1950s we had two kong films in the 30s and what was that you had mighty joe uh, young mighty joe young which we both very much enjoyed i i was that that that's I still i think since starting this project that was the biggest surprise for yeah it, it's definitely kaiju adjacent and it feels like the spiritual yes. sequel to those movies which is why we added on the list and why it's on a lot of kaiju lists it's definitely one to watch but yeah, a couple of King Kong movies and then the 1950 movies. <laughs> and yeah, we are we are done with a full decade of Daikaiju films. And that is what we're calling our, our season one, what we've we've done so far, which are like 26 episodes. <laughs> I forget the count of where we're at. Yeah. And 24. And, and, and that word season. So what we are going to do is. Uh, we're essentially making each season uh, a decade. So season two will be the 1960s, three will be the 70s, four will be the 80s, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Which uh, means this show is going to be eight seasons long, and that's basically it. <laughs> well, we're, not, we're not going we'll, into the 2030s. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> We could have a a a clamorer clamoring for a reunion show, and and there's still there's still we we are just like kind of discovering movies all the time that we are we are figuring out where to put them. I know we're kind of we're well, in the sixties now, so we need to yeah. <laughs> well, we that up. yeah no we we talked about in our Attack of the Fifty Foot Women Woman episode how there was like a couple of sequel reimaginings of that movie, but then also in the Amazing Colossal Man references. In Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, <laughs> we we wanted to add that movie onto the list, even though, you know, it, I mean, it's about a giant baby. Oh, well, so the thing is, enough. but no, like, and I, I saw that movie in the theaters. That scene is, is the, it's the same. In fact, the, the, the colossal man acts like a giant baby anyway. So it's, he, he is in what looks like a huge diaper. <laughs> He is at least at least they had the the decency to, to dress that kid up. Yeah, like the kids got overalls. <laughs> overalls. Yeah, I remember very clearly as well. But yeah, I, I I didn't obviously knew when I was a child watching that movie that 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 was a, a clear kind of homage to 1950s American kaiju films. Just one of the many things that is kind of the reason behind this podcast is just to dig up that history and look at the genre both in the micro and the macro. So that's why we we're, we're trying to get every movie in. Yeah. And so there, there's, uh, I think the, the fifties and sixties are more clearly defined for us. Whereas, you know, once you get, especially in the West, once you get the seventies, eighties and nineties, there's been a couple that have slipped the cracks or a little more obscure or that we're kind of just kind of being introduced to. So I, I am still very, very optimistic that we will get to 200 episodes at least. <laughs> it's and possible. That, and, and then what, we will also have some special episodes here and there. So there will probably be some padding on my part. We, we um, haven't talked about television much because there's not really 50s kaiju 
at all <laughs> but we are right. going to talk about some kaiju television even though this show is primarily looking at film kaiju movies. films yes and that is a big distinction because yes uh, the tokusatsu genre especially uh with the the ultra franchise and then super sentai i mean you we could we could have this show go on until one of us died reviewing <laughs> episodes of well, there, there are ultraman youtube channels and things like that which i encourage people if they're interested in ultraman to, to to seek out but yeah we can't do every season of ultraman unfortunately oh no i mean we we would i mean that would have to be some sort of like crazy like if we ever did a patreon or if <laughs> the second if, podcast is or yeah ultraman or if this was like soon. if this was like uh kaiju versus history the next generation and then we just started doing tv in some way shape or form and we would be doing the show until one of us died yeah so the show era a lot of that <laughs> You know, we're dividing this show into seasons and decades because I think that's a little easier to digest if you're looking at the films next to one another, as opposed to if we did just the demarcation of eras in Japan, like the Showa era is 20 years long. And then the Heisei era is is a similar length, but there's a lot fewer films Yes. And the Millennium series is much shorter than that. They would just be kind of disjointed size wise. So, yeah, I think only two of them are connected and they're the Millennium era seems to be the most overlooked era. Whether or not that's justified is kind of up to you. I know people kind of don't look at that one as kindly as they do the other two. It's just um, it's, show is so much larger. There's so much more well, kind of heritage and history behind it. And And what's interesting about that is we really kind of, that's incorrect we, but, but for the most part when people talk about that era they're really talking about the godzilla franchise yes you have the mothra trilogy and the gamma trilogy that mm-hmm. uh take place in the high era but when people were talking about those eras they're mostly talking about godzilla because the millennium era technically is still during the the high say uh, reign yeah yeah they they just divide up because it's you know they obviously they rebooted rebooted everything definitive end to that that one godzilla series and right they wanted to set that aside there's yeah but yeah like you said there's not a lot of other series outside of godzilla mothra gamera in that time frame until we get into some more american movies we got some high save rodan films that would have been awesome (laughs) yeah yeah there's some other kind of like knockoff films in the the 90s that we can talk about and there's oh, yeah. a, a a mighty joe young reboot but oh yeah I i'm excited about that to get to that but before we do that season two is what we're going to be talking about starting next week and i believe that episode comes out in the beginning of march and looking at the 1960s which like you said kind of the golden age of of kaiju and did, did I say that on the show or did I say that when we're just chit chatting before we recorded? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're saying that that's what a lot of people think of, right? Is well, you're talking so, about the show. Yes. Like, well, that's like 60s movies, even though Godzilla was 1954, the original. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to, to me, when even though you have the the Honda films that we've discussed in the show so far, I feel like when people think about the Godzilla, what, what constitutes as a Godzilla film? starts in with Godzilla versus King Kong and those first couple movies of the 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 60s really kind of set the tone and the stage for what informs what constitutes the Godzilla film because from here on out once you have Godzilla versus King Kong 
you have very, very few films where Godzilla isn't fighting another creature. Yep. In yep. in fact, I mean, and, and yes, you can argue. Well, he he fought Angerus and Godzilla raids again. Yes, but it's it's not as showcased. The film's still called Godzilla Rides Again. Once you have Godzilla versus blank, that sets the stage for the rest of this franchise. It's been a while since I've watched it because I've purposely been avoiding some of these films because I want to stay as fresh for the podcast. But I think the the only Japanese exception other than Shin Godzilla, I think I don't know if he fights anyone in The Return of Godzilla in 84. No. No, he does not. Military, yes, and the the X two. There, 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 I think there, I think there is a giant sea creature at the beginning of the movie. Maybe there's sea lice in that film, but they're not. Yeah, that's what it is. In okay. enemy, they're. It's really just like a, a one off prop, which is yes. Yeah, so, kind of so interesting, but other than that, I think there is no other Godzilla film where he doesn't fight a, a Japanese Godzilla film. Obviously, you know, yeah. in 1998s. Godzilla, he doesn't fight anyone except New York. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. think, I think that's e- it. Even in God, uh, Old Monsters Attack, where it's more about, about Manila against Gabara, uh, Godzilla still fights giant spiders, the, yeah. the Kamakuras. Anyway, that, that is what we're getting into next. But this episode is more of a, a look back for wrapping up season one. And my idea behind this was kind of threefold talking about adjacent kaiju projects and movies that we skipped and and maybe talking about them a little bit and then also looking secondly at themes of the decade and tropes that came from the 1950s which you know some we think of attribute more to the 60s but they were all here in the 1950s to start and last but not least giving out some awards looking at some superlatives and Looking back on our our ratings of of films from from this decade, the 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 best, the worst in between, those kind of things, and uh, yeah, not so, a lot of in between. There's a, the fifties are pretty easy to put them into two categories for me. <laughs> <laughs> we we had some, we we did have some middling ones, five sixes and sevens, but for most part, it was <laughs> yeah, you're right, but they they were the best of, or they were the the other, and films. I would still consider a seven on the on on the good side. I mean, really, even six, yeah, um, six, six is, is a little more middling, but seven seven definitely is in the good category. Yes, sixes didn't get into our top five though, but yeah, but yeah. first I, I want to talk about and highlight some movies, some other giant monster movies from the fifties that if you wanted to go above and beyond our list of, of what we've watched and dive into, they're close to the genre. There are some that are definitely giant, you know, bug movies or giant dinosaur movies and things like that, that you can watch, but just to reminder, our golden rule of what we added to this list are one, the film had to focus on one or more named sentient monsters. And a monster is not just a large animal like a a dinosaur, which is very much just a, a creature. And then the rule number two is what well, what is a monster? And that's it has to have some kind of feature or characteristic that differs from common creatures. And not just I mean, gigantism is one of them, <laughs> but usually it's like a radiation or kind of like how it was created, if that makes sense. Or like having like special abilities and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something that kind of sets it aside. And then last but not least, 
it's a film that plays on or adds to the tropes, characterizations, the themes of the genre of kaiju cinema. So you might get those in movies that just have a dinosaur in them, but they're not really a kaiju film. So we we didn't review them. Our our general making of our podcast list, Miles, was if it hit all three of those kind of golden rules, it was definitely added to the list. If it hit two out of three, it was possible that we added to the list. Like, I think Tarantula might be a good example of like two yeah. out of three, but not all of them. And if it only hit one of those, it was considered, well, but more than likely I, it wasn't added. I think I think I, I I we had a conversation the other day. I think I count Tarantula as only one. Yeah, it played on the tropes and things. It was a giant spider. Yeah, big old spider. And I guess well, we confessed. Well, no, but, well, I, th- these are not in any particular order. But these other movies, uh, uh, one of them is Earth versus the <laughs> the spider, the giant yeah. spider, and that's just a giant spider movie. But first up, I wanted to point out a couple of other films we mentioned. One of which is pretty popular. Another one by Mr. Big himself, Bert I. Gordon, that are not kaiju movies, but kind of have similar ideas behind them. And that's 1958's Attack of the Puppet People and the film that inspired it, 1957's The Incredible Shrinking Man, which is the much more Mm -hmm. popular one. They're both about people shrinking down and then suddenly a cat is like kaiju sized, even though any normal human can pick up the cat and, and pet it and things. So they're very popular and they were like, I think, a films to some some kaiju movies sometimes or, or giant bug movies. But yeah, they don't really hit any of the <laughs> the three golden rules, but it would it will feel like you are a kaiju if you are shrunk down to miniature size. So, honey, I shrunk the kids has giant ants in it, you know, <laughs> right? And they they are they're films that have very similar kind of props and things like that, but are are very different in their their own vein. Isn't isn't, isn't the ant in that movie called Anton? <laughs> it's been so long since I watched it, but yeah. That's another example of a movie that's not going to be on our list, but is very adjacent, even though we talked about having Honey, I Blew Up the Kids on there. Uh, well, I mean, it's it it counts. Another one that I watched, but it isn't really on the list, and we had it on our list, but took it off originally, was 1957's 20 Million Miles to Earth, another Ray Harryhausen effects movie. And do, do you remember talking about that one, Miles? Yes. I was like, so I went through and I, I watched it and it's great. It is another achievement of, of great stop motion animation, but it's not really a kaiju monster. For the most part, it's like 10 feet tall in the film. Like it goes, it, it kind of grows throughout the course of it until it's tall enough to stand on top of the, the Coliseum in Rome at the end. And it's like 30 foot tall. Then that is less than five minutes of the movie, though. Like, I think we got more 50 foot woman, <laughs> even though she's probably 25 to 30 feet tall. Yeah. And and I mean, the thing about the American movies of this decade, which, which is something that I struggled through most of the first season with, is that, you know, for the most part, you know, we were initially we're talking about pre-K movies, which were pre-Kaiju movies. So uh, they get a pass. But once we enter the 50s, and Godzilla comes out, which which is the kaiju film. It's it's mm-hmm. the birth. I, I started struggling, even though you know this was not like it is now, where there's no synergistic thing. I mean, it's it's years before people even see Godzilla, 
and uh, let alone Gojira. And so a lot of the American films at the time are, are really just giant animal movies. And, yeah, and this one's an alien invasion kind of plot and it works for a sci-fi movie. It doesn't, it hits like maybe one of those three golden rules that we and and about. that that's how I've felt for a lot of this season. I think it was important to watch the movies that we watch in terms of giant monster stuff, even though they didn't re- most of them didn't really classify as kaiju films. I think it was important to watch them because you know you you need to see what's going on in the world theater at the time, and you can't really define Godzilla until you kind of see what it what 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 it stands out amongst and i feel like once the showa era be, uh, really kicks off in the full gear in the 60s is where you're going to see that defined more and more and in return some of those western films are going to be a little bit more informed mm-hmm. by what is happening in, in in japan yeah 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 just giant creatures they're hard to add to this list and one of the next ones I wanted to highlight is extremely interesting. It came up in our research and neither of us had ever heard of this movie before we started researching Kaiju history. It's a film 1959's space invasion of Lapland. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, one of the very few projects from Scandinavia out of, of Sweden that I wanted to put on the list originally just because there's not that many uh, with kind of giant monsters in, in Europe, let alone Sweden. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know there, there is a, uh, there was a DVD release, but we kind of, you know, we, we, I think we might've even both watched this movie. I scrubbed and, through it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, like only it, 60 minutes. It's extremely short. Yeah, it's, it's very, very short. Apparently there's an 80 minute us TV cut of this film. Yes, they added a significant chunk of time and scenes in America and and have some the U.S. release only came out in 1962, but it had a terrible name invasion of the animal people, which made no sense because it's an alien in the movie. The it had an awesome international title, though, Terror Under the Midnight Sun. (laughs) Okay, see, yeah, I I would would go see. Yeah, not a lot to note about it. It's a lot of actors in the snow <laughs> there's a lot of skiing scenes the, the main character is i think an american olympic skier and we we get very little of this kind of get a yeti like alien monster that's about 20 feet tall probably stands about yeah, two it's, stories it's large but yeah it didn't didn't i mean and the thing is there's there's some cool tropey stuff like you know the 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 bipedal ape creatures being controlled by aliens and that is something yeah. that we see we see very much in the 60s is um, the, the the main monster is an alien too but it's controlled by aliens it's it's very confusing <laughs> yeah it's that's the thing the, the movie's a mess and again it's not quite kaiju size like it's it is it is strange that's yeah. bigger than normal but it's know. not it, it's as big as king kong was probably but there's very little of the themes of a kaiju movie which that third golden rule is i mean it's, a very important pretty, one yeah i mean it, I, I will say the the being controlled by other aliens is a is a pretty big one but having gone through it like it's it, it's it's less than it sounds like yeah, um that and 20 is, million miles to earth they're watchable i don't think they're 
100% kaiju films. I mean, I'm not crying tears that we didn't like get into the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, they would have both been pretty low down on the scores if we had. And I felt like we, we beat up enough films from the 50s, too. Well, and uh, a, a couple ones we definitely weren't going to add on there were up next some dinosaur movies. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to add films like The Lost World, even though we talked about it. Yeah, like an inspiration for King Kong. Absolutely. And I was I was kind of interested in in going down that rabbit hole because I I love land like the original Land of the Lost and I love the 90s Land of the Lost a lot, but it doesn't really fit. (laughs) They're they're great adventure adventure stories, but they're not kaiju. Well, you know, Jurassic World, like the the sequels to Jurassic Park, those films have monsters i mean they're not actual dinosaurs they're like amalgamations of dinosaurs yeah, that can the, the indominus rex and stuff like that i mean yeah. i i i would absolutely take especially since the stuff we watched in the 50s i would absolutely when we get to the <laughs> 2000s especially to pad some episodes i would yeah i'm down for some jurassic world yeah well, it, it, it's, it's on the books now we're doing it now it's a, a kaiju in the, the movie but they don't really play with kaiju themes they're playing with dinosaur <laughs> you know hey, adventure that's okay. themes that's okay but yeah like like i said there's a ton of dinosaur movies that we're not going to get to and a couple of the ones oh, one of them i definitely wanted to but it's 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 hard to to get out there 1948's unknown island is mm. is is one and 1955 1956 we've got king dinosaur in 1955 king Beast from Hollow Mountain in 1956. Some of them are playing on those themes, and Beast from Hollow Mountain is basically tarantula, but with a, a T Rex. King Dinosaur. I, mean, I can, I can, I can jive with that more than I can tarantula. Yeah, I mean, at least dinosaurs are fun. <laughs> What's well, like a cowboy dinosaur movie? It's it's very interesting. It doesn't really follow any of the. That's like that's like tarantula had cooler. had a lot of the tropes in it of you know, like you know mad scientists and things like that. But King Dinosaur is a Burt I. Gordon film. It's actually his, I think, major directorial debut. But it is, it, you know, it's one of those movies that has a real, like, lizard as the antagonist. And it was mm. a time before PETA. So I think that movie is extremely skippable. We, we, yeah, we did enough of the using the real animals. And I'm, I'm glad to, to leave that behind. But I don't know if you know this, 1948's Unknown Island. I kind of wanted to talk more about because we actually get dinosaurs and a giant ape suits like rubber suits years before Toho did pseudomation. And there is a scene with a giant ape versus giant lizard uh, fight. Although I (laughs) I was reading through the notes after I I watched those scenes. It's supposed to be a giant sloth, but it looks like a a big monkey suit. Yeah, <laughs> and it did it did pretty well for for one of these these movies, uh, Unknown Island. But it feels more like I mean, it doesn't feel like a kaiju movie. It feels like the Lost World movie because it's you know out in in the world, so they don't destroy any buildings, and it, it's a fairly brief fight. But yeah, years before King Kong versus Godzilla, we have uh, another movie with actors in rubber suits kind of fighting it out. What's interesting, uh, I did you bring this up already, that they used stock footage of this in Godzilla Raids again? 
right right they they padded out that movie with with some some background scenes from from this one the the american release of raids again i, I believe Which so is, I, so the, the that's the thing is, it says are, it's in the american version of godzilla raids again they don't say whether or not it was gigantis I, I forget, yeah, which which one exactly. Because the, there was, I know there was some VHS releases of Godzilla Raids again back in the day. Because mm. uh, I, I definitely had one of those. And I, re- I do remember there being some weird looking scenes. And, and th- that actually shines a, a lot of, of light on that. Because, oh boy. I, I think this is one it might be in the public domain and it's a color film too. It's like one of the very early, you know, like hand colored, I want to say films it, it's, it's worth checking out for, for history's sake. Like I said, it doesn't really fall into the Kaiju genre, but it's just, you know, giant dinosaurs and, and, and creatures kind of fighting though, which is interesting in its own right. Um, the next couple films, also kind of like just giant creature films. You've got Attack of the Crab Monsters by a young Roger Corman. The the monster from Green Hell and the monster that challenged the world. All three of these films came out in 1957 miles <laughs> in our ex- as, the, as if we the didn't most, have enough from the from the cursed year. The the most packed of of giant monster films. That, the same year Deadly Mantis, Giant Claw, Beginning of the End, Black Scorpion, and Amazing Colossal Man, and The Mysterians came out. You had some other movies. Attack of the Crab Monsters, I, I mean, they're just big crabs, I'm pretty sure. They do have a wonky face that reminds me of the Black Scorpion in that movie. And besides some cool monster designs and some of the other ones, I think... Uh, the I forget which one. Maybe the monster from Green Hell. I think it's giant wasps, and the monster that challenges the world is like a grub of some sort. Oh, a giant mollusk. That's what I have written in my my notes here. It it's they're they're not great. They're not great movies. But one of the reasons they're not on this list, and they're not really kaiju. They're just kind of giant bugs. Yeah, I mean, so Patrick and I have had a lot of back and forth about the movies, the the Western movies of the fifties. And like I said earlier, I, I do think watching some of these was was absolutely worth it to as as a comparison. But we kind of had to draw the line somewhere because I know some people are like, well, you did Tarantula, why wouldn't you do this one? And and the, the simple reason is didn't feel like it. I mean, <laughs> in, in all honesty, we did yeah. a number of these films to highlight that. But in, in in all actuality, even though we have found some kaiju trope presence in some of these films. Most of these American films, let's face it, are not kaiju films. We were we were doing this as a historical perspective and watching the growth of the genre. And that's so, one of the reasons yeah. why, I mean, we could probably done an entire season on just Bird Eye Gordon. We didn't do 1957's Cyclops film or 1958's Earth versus the Spider. Earth versus Spider, I've, I have watched independently, and it's pretty good. It's just not great. It's not a great kaiju movie. It's a, it's a great giant spider movie. And it barely just it doesn't really even like go on those those tropes of of what a a kaiju film is. You do get some great scenes of it, like marching down Main Street. But yeah. And uh, let's see. Last but not least, there are some Toho movies we didn't add to the list. The Three Treasures, 1959's Three Treasures, 1955's Half Human. And uh, they're just 
Three Treasures has a giant eight-headed Yamata no Orochi, the eight-headed dragon in it. It it just it's not. I mean, it's a giant dragon. It's not really kaiju, if that makes sense, Miles. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's fun. It's in that movie very little. It's more about the hero's journey. So I think it's like two and a half hour. It's like an epic movie. Anyway, that does it for movies we didn't do. <laughs> kaiju adjacent, I would say, for the most part. Definitely some cool sci-fi movies in there to watch. And if mm-hmm. you like kind of schlocky movies, almost all of those fall into it in into that category. We can put out a, yeah, a list. Yeah, I mean, of I, them. I, 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 if we were doing specifically, which would be a much different and an eternal podcast of just science fiction films of of even just this era. Boy, um, the fifties would be the longest ever. There's just so many. Yes. Um. And and I I, I personally, like I said, I don't find to, a lot of these to be kaiju films, and especially in in, in America, but. I will say that that the fifties had some really interesting American science fiction. I know I, I have I have trashed American films, at least the American films that we have watched. But there's a lot of good stuff that came out in the fifties yeah. in terms of American science fiction. Yeah, very Just, influential stuff as well. You know, you get yeah, thing from another world in the Mysterians, you know. kind of based on some some great fifties films. Yeah, there's there's American some films. Really- Great stuff, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> we watched both Amazing Colossal Man and War of the Colossal Beast. Yeah, yeah. For some reason. <laughs> it feels weird doing one and skipping the other. Does anyway, it? Anyway, Does that's it? <laughs> the 1950s in in other films. So, yeah, now that we're done looking at movies that didn't make the cut, let's talk about the ones that did and the themes that we saw over these past 20 films i believe <laughs> we, we looked at it or, or 21 films in the 1950s and king kong and son of kong and I, I don't know if there's 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 not a single theme that is in every single one of these movies obviously but i feel like probably the biggest one especially in the the toho ones are kind of about national disasters Natural disasters in the form of, you know, what what devastation these monsters wrought, you know, on buildings Mm -hmm. or the countryside in in Japan is definitely analogous to the disasters that that country has had for for all time as Japan has settled on four different tectonic plates. They've got 108 volcanoes and then they have tsunamis and earthquakes <laughs> I, I think they might <laughs> get some hurricane action uh yeah some, they, they some recently had a, they, um, well they get typhoons but um they recently had that super typhoon no no come through tornadoes i think this is the only one they don't really get <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately but just about every other natural disaster they are akin to we we got to see you know black scorpion had had volcanoes as kind of the center of that movie is disrupting the yeah. natural ecosystem. And a lot of these other ones, you know, maybe the, the melting of <laughs> Arctic ice releasing creature. It's another one. Uh, two of the top most expensive natural disasters in recorded history were the 2011 tsunami Fukushima disaster in Japan and 
1995's Great Hanshin Earthquake, as far as like dollar amounts. And a lot of people talk about Godzilla as being a kind of force of nature and akin to a tsunami or something that would come in and just lay waste to to a city like Tokyo. And Tokyo has been destroyed, you know, almost completely a few times. A lot of people, because it's an atomic powered monster, liken it to a Hiroshima or a Nagasaki after after World War II. And obviously that is a big part of the creature's identity as having that kind of atomic scarring. But the, the destruction that it 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 brought in that film what director Shir Honda had seen probably the most in person because he wasn't in Tokyo for the firebombing. He had only gone through Hiroshima, I believe on a, on a train trip at the end of world war two. He did see Tokyo absolutely destroyed by a flood and fire in his youth. As, as we talked about in the Godzilla episode, the great Kanto earthquake of 1923, which I mean was almost as devastating. There's, said to be minimum like a hundred thousand deaths from from that natural disaster. And that is just I mean, that is destruction on a level that is is really hard to fathom these days. I mean, even though it, it's happened for for various uh, various other natural disasters, you know, Fukushima is a really bad one as well, but they measure that more in in dollar amounts because it was so destructive. But that is that is I think probably the main theme flowing through a lot of these movies is these monsters kind of their destructive power in in the same way that natural disasters are are super destructive i i would say behind that because most of these movies aren't about it actually is atomic proliferation obviously that's the main thing in godzilla right i mean it is a presence in almost everything we watched was in in some capacity with with exceptions some sort of atomic testing or or some sort of atomic radiation caused things to happen yeah yeah so i mean peace from 20,000 fathoms them I, I, it'd be easier to list the movies that don't have anything to do with I mean, I, atomic I think, radiation i think maybe the deadly mantis was they were developing uh, growth hormones or something the or the, blacks- were they using were they using gamma radiation or something I think tarantula, they use radioactive isotopes, but the black scorpion might be one of the few that doesn't, you know, have anything. I guess maybe attack of the 50 foot woman. I don't know what kind of radiation that alien was emitting. Right. And there in the unbelievable, maybe escapes. I no, I think there's a reference in Varen. I, I, I am almost positive. Sometimes it is very background, you know, atomic testing is what just unlocks a creature from the ice. I think in, I mean, that is definitely what happened in the beast from 20,000 fathoms, but then you don't really hear about atomic power proliferation in the rest of the film. It's just like a, a a stopgap. I feel like in them and Godzilla, it's obviously in the forefront, but we wouldn't really get it revisit it as like a main theme until the giant behemoth which we we just talked about mm-hmm. which was refreshing to kind of end the age on on the theme but throughout this season we've talked about how i mean it was a time of great uncertainty in in nuclear power they were creating more and more dangerous bombs with higher kiloton yields throughout the 50s so it would go mm-hmm. from 
your your standard atomic bomb to fission bombs and 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 things like that and they were just creating more and more testing more and more throughout the the decade you know the lucky dragon that was just timed perfectly for when they were making the godzilla film definitely did strike a nerve with the the islands of japan and those fears came through in the the movies as you know some kind of force of nature outside of nature could cause death and destruction in in the magnitude of of natural disasters and it makes sense that that is like another one of the major themes of the the 50s i feel like the fear behind nuclear weapons goes away a little bit in the 60s i don't know maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's because children I mean, they, they talked about how duck and cover was a thing for, for kids in the 1950s. They were they were trained in uh, atomic, you know, who warfare scenarios. I think it kind of that dies down a little bit in the 60s. So uh, you still get monsters that are irradiated and things like that. But for the most part, it you know, a lot of those films turn into invasions from outer space, which could be code for invasions by other countries especially russian countries <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lot of ways to Communist actually countries. code that but i and it comes back in, in full circle because then they start doing movies that where you know you, heck we talked about it with uh or we, we've mentioned it with with hetera where you have some uh, more reflections of monsters that have something to do with what's going on in in society or or mm the human's impact on the earth. And it's not just hetero. You also have Biolante dealing with the current boom in the possibilities of, of genetics. Mm -hmm. And so th there, there are still some monsters and some, some things where they use that to kind of like have fun with uh, a hot topic of the day. But yeah, there's, that it does start to become like these, these, you know, aliens. And, and this also, I think that also kind of comes around when, you have more and more children enjoying these films. Mm. And so they get a little bit more comic booky, which is by no means an insult, but they, I mean, you do have some films that seem a little bit more adult than others. And then you have some films that I'm like, this is, this is definitely for kids. Yeah. It's so interesting. The fifties are definitely our science monsters more than any other decade and oh six, for sure 60s does turn into a lot of space and, and alien and, and then closer to it we get more fantasy stories in, in the 50s as well and like with mothra mm -hmm. yeah i mean i feel like one of the things that it you know every single one of these monsters can be explained by a kind hearted scientist who uses science to save the day and stop the rampaging monsters this yeah that's this Definitely the decade of the scientist as as a for sure trope. And even though not all of Shira Honda's main characters are scientists, they're they're there in all those movies. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Mysterians, they're <laughs> they're all scientists. But yeah, I, I would say the the 60s, we get a lot of background science characters, but I don't feel like they're ever really the forefront as much as the 1950s. And you just kind of need that character in the plot to explain these scientific monsters. Yeah. And even, even in, in, in Godzilla and in Godzilla raids again, the, mm -hmm. the scientists, I mean, you have Sarah Zawa, but the main characters are the reporters. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's always and, fun. And to and have that's a, a that's a theme of that franchise. I, reporters mm-hmm. or working class job people tend to be the focus. I mean, you do you still have scientists who are heroes and scientists who are main characters pop up in this franchise, but. It does seem in the, in, the, in the Godzilla series, you have a lot, a wide variety of main characters. Um, yeah. But in, in, in America, certainly, yeah, it's always the scientist. I don't, it, yeah, it's hard outside of King Kong. There, I, I guess there's no scientists in, in those movies, but from them and the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms onward, yeah, just about every main character or every movie has at least one scientist main character kind of bar yeah, the, the the exception is the fifty foot woman. It's actually the fifty foot woman, I think. But yeah, that's the exception that proves the rule. In almost all of these movies, there is at least one scene of scientists sitting down, usually with like government officials or military officials, and explaining the threat and how they're going to neutralize it. That is the most trope I think seen from these movies, except. Four monsters knocking down buildings, maybe, is a little bit more tropey. But yeah, it's, yeah, it, it was a time for a very fertile place in in kaiju history for scientist protagonists, and it, it's so interesting because I think in the sixties we're going to get astronauts and things like that as kind of the the exciting job for kids. But it does feel like fifties created a lot of of kids watching those movies that saw on the big screen, a scientist hero, you know? Right. (laughs) And uh, all these, that's one thing that all these movies have kind of tying them together. I would say the, one of the least themes that we, we got to saw uh, see in in these, these films was return of the ancient world in the form that Godzilla is also a, an ancient beast you know, was a legend of the people and now is going up against the modern world and warfare implements and the military and things like that. I feel like the Showa era, as it goes on, brings that up a little bit more. Like King Cesar is an ancient uh, mm-hmm. deity and you have a lot of instances of people keeping old ways. Typically, uh, there's a lot of times in the franchise where it's old men and children who can sort of not communicate with Godzilla, but seem to understand Godzilla. And adults are the ones that are completely in the rat race of the modern right. world. You're like you said, reporter characters and, and right. the working class. Yeah. Uh, like we're gonna- in, fi- in final wars, like the, the, the main characters are the old man and mm. the child that kind of chit chats with, <laughs> with baby G <laughs> baby Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a theme that we we see a lot here. Like you said, we're going to see a lot more in the 60s as well with King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, one is very much an ancient kind of god pulled off this island and, and Godzilla kind of takes the place of now like the more modern monster. Right. And we have legitimately Return of the Ancient World to fight the modern beast from 20,000 Fathoms, the, the deadly mantis. It came from beneath the sea. Those are all ancient creatures kind of unearthed by modern technology, right. you know, testing in the Arctic or nuclear submarines, you know, digging up these bugs and, and dinosaurs. A camera. We get a lot of that. The original camera. We have yep. those ancient runes and stuff that we'll see. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's one of the coolest ideas in, in a lot of Godzilla movies. And I mean, they're going to 
harp on this trope and this idea even into the 2014 Godzilla, where now all of a sudden the the titans they call them are kind yeah. of like <laughs> these ancient beasts and nature's defenders you know <laughs> right that that will do it for for some of the themes we've unearthed this season outside of <laughs> tropes like terrible puppets and people in, in rubber suits some some wonky stop motion animation maybe uh let's get on to my my the thing I'm most excited about in these wrap up episodes the superlatives miles the best All and right. the worst we have I, I've gone through and looked at the scores at our for our best our top five movies of the season as well as the worst the 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 lowest five uh, which one do you want to to talk to first talk about well, let's let's talk about the best mm-hmm. do you want to go in in ascending order <laughs> up to yeah, so, five to number one. Yeah. So at number five with a eight out of uh, two eights, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, our, our podcast score was eight in total. Them. I'm, I'm happy. It's there. <laughs> I'm happy. We yeah, got it's, on the list. It's, I mean, if I didn't have, if I hadn't had to have watched some of the other movies that it inspired or movies that ripped it off, I think I would look kindly uh, more kindly at it now. It's still a very, very solid movie. And it has some mm-hmm. really cool horror movie atmospheres about it. So I I, I I I dig that one. It doesn't, yeah, it feels more like a horror movie than a kaiju movie. In the even though we do get quote unquote giant ants in it. Right. They're you know, the size of Vol- Volkswagens, uh <laughs> Volkswagen Beatles or I remember dinging it for you know, the the actual ant props not really being that mobile. And yeah, yeah. If they had a bigger budget, I feel like that one would. I mean, it, it is well liked. It's just not as I don't think it's it has the the chops and history like the, the, the fact that it's never been remade, like legitimately remade is, is crazy to me. Unlike number four on the list. Yes. Mighty uh, Joe one, Young. one through four. Like, so here's one through four are like up here. And then even five is like. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's still there. Like it's it's it, 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 it look, is I, to me. To me, the top four four are like so I, I, high above. Them is worth watching. Certainly, it absolutely is as I mean, a you, science you fiction movie and as one that inspired all these others. But yeah, Mighty Joe Young, surprising that almost as surprising as the them, uh, how good it was. And and yeah. part of that is is that amazing stop motion animation. You know, yeah, an eight from you, a nine from me. I I was this is my biggest surprise because i i have memories of seeing the charlie's theron movie and i mean i i haven't seen it in in over 20 years but i I remember kind of just not really being affected by it so i really wasn't expecting much going in Mm -hmm. Uh, especially not being big as, as everyone knows now on the eight films but this this movie charmed the absolute pants off of me i thought it had a very very good story it was exceptionally acted the stop motion work was top notch i mean this is ray harryhausen just showing off oh ray (laughs) harryhausen actually having a budget firing all cylinders and you know what it's a super sweet film you don't have a super tragic ending like i like the fact that it has this goofy ending of just joe waving at a camera like that i i loved that 
Yep. It it definitely undid the bad taste of <laughs> both King First Kong two. and Son of Kong dying at the yeah. end. But uh, speaking of, we, we do have a tie for number two and three. We both gave, I think, nines. And our final score was nine for both King Kong, the 1933 original, and Rodan. Very different movies, but both great kaiju flicks. Great adventure stories both of them rodan very different obviously and surprisingly our only color film or maybe unsurprisingly only color film on the the best of list here not that there were a ton of color films in the 1950s but that that one was up there king kong obviously it's it's its own i mean one and two are not surprising at all (laughs) <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Well, number one, you probably could guess is 1954's Godzilla, which I was surprised how watchable it was. But also, if we were to go to, I think, a number six, a top six list, I think six would be Godzilla King of the Monsters. I, I also be fine replacing them with Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, both. Uh, I want to say we gave an eight to, I think them just uh, was a little higher because okay yeah godzilla king of the monsters we also gave an eight so they're they're both up there it's weird to have that movie twice on the list but i was surprised by how well the american stood up yeah i i mean it's it's definitely a a diet version of the gojira story but it's still very solid i i honestly the biggest surprise in, in terms of watching godzilla uh, King of the Monsters was just how good it was and how how good it because st- I probably hadn't watched that movie since I was a kid because once the the Gojira came out in 04 that's pretty much what I watched and yeah. so otherwise when I was growing up I usually was watching movies of Godzilla versus something and so get, getting to go back to that one was was a, a pretty big treat but we're not just talking about the best because we have also cataloged the worst scientifically the worst and i, I was surprised by this list because i mean th- there's some that i, I am not at all you disliked we both gave the same score to number five counting down to number one worst the amazing colossal man the the original one we both gave fours to yeah it's it's a movie but i mean the, the first act really solid and yeah, then just completely falls apart to in, in a way that makes the movie not quite unwatchable but close enough yeah in, in the same vein number three on the list is war of the colossal beast i enjoyed a lot more just because it, it it if you were only going to watch one of them i would suggest war of the colossal beast if you were watching both i would say probably i mean you could skip parts of it because you've already I, seen it in the first movie I would say watch none of them. Well, you you enjoyed a little bit more beginning of the end, number four on the list. Yeah, list. Uh, yeah which is freaking wild to me that well, it was, I enjoyed it so much. It was a campy one, you know. Part of this is yeah, personal enjoyment for so bad they're good movies, which is my number. Well, the number one on this is one of my highest of these films outside of War of the Cross Beast. Number two worst film is the deadly mantis, which I was surprised by. And, and I guess kind of tied for it was the giant claw. I gave a, a higher score to the giant claw and you gave a lower score to it than the deadly mantis. Yes. If that makes um, sense. So like with, 
again, beginning of the end, I mean, I gave it a five. So it's not like I was in love with this movie. <laughs> War of the Colossal Beasts. I mean, that was one of the more recent episodes. I outright just disliked that movie. I think that might be my lowest score of anything except for our number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because I, I, I felt the War of the the Colossal Beast was downright un- unwatchable. The Deadly Mantis is kind of on the same level. I think it's just a chore. Once again, I, I kind of wish I, I think Tarantula should be on this list. I think Deadly Mantis should be off personally. Both were bad, but I think they're bad in like different ways. I, I dislike them both. Uh, <laughs> and then number one, of course, is the giant claw. It's hard to, it's hard not to have giant claw. Up there. <laughs> yeah. Gi- giant claw. It, it deserves its spot. It has been awarded my lowest score of the podcast at a two. <laughs> and, and and Patrick saving this film to some degree with a, a very generous five. I uh, thought, you know, actually outside of the monster, the technicals weren't awful. <laughs> they were bad. They weren't like oh, oh. The, the worst thing ever. And I enjoyed it for how bad it was. And I, I think it, I mean, if any movie should have had a mystery science theater 3000 treatment, it was this one. I, I'm still waiting for a new season of MST3K to say they're finally going to do the giant claw, but that's We're getting munchy. So I'm, I'm so that, excited. <laughs> that's the worst of the worst. In, in the 1950s. Um, so while we're talking about all the 50s films, so we've got a couple of kind of conversational questions. What what film that we've covered, uh, and really not just the 50s, because we also had the pre-K era in, in full. So covering all of the first season, mm-hmm. which film do you think is the most overrated? Right. So, I mean, there's a couple. I think as much as I enjoyed it, the, the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, it just is it is hard to watch. It is probably one of the films I would recommend the most. You go and seek out those action sequences as opposed to watching the entire film. That that middle part where they're going and investigating the 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 creature and trying to convince people that there is actually a dinosaur running rampant is a slog. It is it is a quote unquote great film, but I think it's really just great for the Harry House and effects, you know. What about G Miles? So this is uh, not gonna be a popular answer. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I I gave this film high marks because I think it academically deserves them. I think it is technically a a good film. And I said as much in the episode, but in I also dinged it in my personal enjoyment, <laughs> obviously not as highly as I've dinged some of these stinkers, but I, I am, I have noted that I am not a, a big fan of the great ape. And so my answer is 1933's King Kong. Yeah. See, that's hard because I think I know com- if we're comparing it to 1950s, I think they, it, it doesn't deserve as high of a score as it got, but it, because it's like in its own, it, it is, and, prior, and it, it, deserve, it deserves it deserves as it gets. I I get that, but I also like I've just never cared for King Kong. Even watching this movie, I mean, I gave it a lower score. I think I gave it a seven in terms of personal enjoyment. But yeah. obviously, well, I mean, that's score was, fine. Its score was elevated by technical and cultural because I can't argue against those things. Yeah. But in, in when I think of what do you think is the most overrated, that's a personal enjoyment question. And so for me, it's absolutely King Kong. Yeah, I can understand that. 
we've been through a lot of movies that we have seen before on mm-hmm. this season. And a lot of ones we've watched for the first time, which is one of the joys of, of doing this, this project. Is there a film that you find is the, like the most hidden gem that you hadn't seen, or you don't think a lot of people have seen that you would recommend that they dive into? Yes. I was a big fan of the Mysterians. Right, right. I was, I was very excited for you to get to that one. I, I thought that was going to blow your socks off. I loved it. And, you know, it gets dinged for a lot of great things justifiably. But honestly, I think that one shows the most of what's to come in the Showa era in terms yep. of tropes. And it's 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 super fun seeing a I mean, let's be honest, this one struggles to be a kaiju film as well, because you have Magira, but Magira is a giant robot. It may as well be a mech. It yeah, is a well, mech. Well, but that, that, well, no, that's the thing. We don't ever get like confirmations. Like, is there a Mysterian driving it, or is it like a thing they created that has a life right. of its own? But I also, it, it, it I is, also don't care because <laughs> well, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> it is great, and it it definitely sh- sets up a lot of those '60s tropes. It seems like a movie from the '60s. It's surprisingly, it's it it's really does. Part of it is because it's in color, but the, the, the way they shot everything, a lot of the exterior uh, devastation looks phenomenal. Like, I mean, yeah. just watching that compared to watching some of the, the American movies we watch, it just blows it away. And I mean, part of it, yes, it's in color. So everything's more vibrant and everything just looks fantastic. And you can tell when there's real fire and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. it's I just think it's a really cool movie. And it's definitely one that a lot of people haven't seen. My my hidden gem is a them 1954 is them it's i know it's, it's just so, it's crazy that it came out the same year as godzilla and they touched on so many of the same kind of themes and ideas and, and things like that and it's it's good horror in its own right you know it's an interesting you know looking at how influential it probably was for James Cameron's aliens mm-hmm. and, and and movies like that when they're they're crawling into the the ant's nest i'm outside of kaiju movies i think it's just a very good sci-fi movie as well so definitely definitely one to check out what about let's let's skip ahead here what is your kaiju of the decade the kaiju monster outside i think we have to go outside of godzilla right okay okay because i was like that's not a fair question because the answer is going to be well boy. i guess like you know you like king cesar in the 70s what's your king cesar your guilty um, pleasure hmm. of of the 50s See, I, well i mean i think that's this point I, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures i either like something or you don't as far as my kaiju of the day oh the rodan mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah. yeah, Rodan. Absolutely Rodan. I, I love Rodan. I think if we're talking about ones we shouldn't like, but I do. I like the dumb hand prop, the attack of the 50 foot woman <laughs> that they use. And I, I like the actress walking around. She does a great. I mean, she does, I think, a much better job even than Glenn Lanigan or, or whatever his name is in the amazing colossal man yeah that's not saying a lot oh yeah she's in the movie for five minutes but i, I mean and part of this i love her poster art <laughs> that roger corman poster art favorite supporting character in in these movies that's a tough one because i know there have been like some random characters that i'm like this person is the hero of this movie through <laughs> the dumbest reasons 
And I, I'm I'm trying to think of of somebody. Give me give me give me yours. Um, well, I mean, he's just so iconic, and it's one of my favorite scenes from from the decade. But Sarazawa obviously is such a cool and iconic character that they can't ever really do again. In, right. in the same way, we we obviously get like maybe a descendant of Sarazawa in the legendary Godzilla movies. We have another character named Sarazawa, but 1954's Sarazawa is just—it's it, so hard to to top. And the, the eye patch is just so iconic. Yeah, I I love the see the brother in the Mysterians. <laughs> the guy who defects to the Mysterian side and then mm. realizes he got messed over and then dresses like Humphrey Bogart for no reason and just starts messing things up. Like yeah. he's like he's like dressed up to like go undercover in a place where everyone's dressed like a a, a child's toy. And, <laughs> and he looks like the the undercover Donatello toy that I had when I was a kid that had the uh Groucho Mars glasses. Yeah, that that was also played by Sarazawa's actor, right? Um, Akihiko Hirata? That, yes. That, <laughs> yes. Wow, we, 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 both of our favorites are are, are uh, played by the same actor. It's I, I also, I really liked, man, I, I, I'm trying to think. I I enjoyed a lot of the characters from Mai Jiang, obviously. Mm-hmm. And because I liked, I liked Jill a lot. I thought she was, she was pretty fantastic. Yeah. She's one of the few women in this decade that have a lot of agency and, mm-hmm. and they don't do her a whole lot of favors, but just in comparison to a lot of things we have seen, I think that, that, that she was pretty great, but I know there was a random character at one point that had like some zinger that I thought I, I remember <laughs> like ex- exclaiming that this is the best character that we have seen so far. And I, I wish I I'm, I'm scrolling through my, my notes. Oh, I, I do love, Oh, I think part of it, what it was, it was Steve Martin in Godzilla King of the Monsters. When, oh, he's uh, so good. Well, it's like, now let's have it, Steve. What's this monster store of yours? And he goes, well, it's big and terrible. And, uh, he's definitely one of my favorite American and, characters. And that, that's my absolute. Yeah, that, that is my favorite interaction in this entire decade. It's like, <laughs> times are terrible, y'all. Somebody, yeah, somebody, I, I like Steve Martin a lot. Uh, Mara Corday had a lot of great roles. Uh, she was in what Tarantula and the Giant Claw uh, as mm-hmm. Sally Caldwell. She was great in that movie. Um, talking about characters with agency, we had some c- female scientists that were really important to the we plot, do. which I enjoyed. But yeah, what do you think is maybe a personal favorite uh, or one of the easiest movies that we went through that you would recommend? I'm- to, like first time ka- kaiju moviegoers. I mean, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, it's so funny because sometimes when you want to suggest Godzilla movies to people, that is not your first go to. I mean, if if I'm talking about the entire franchise, but in none the, of them in the fifties, the... obviously that one over yes raids again is very easy over 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 raids again. And so if you're a fir- it depends on the first time. Here's the thing: it depends on the watcher. There are some people who do have a difficult time with subtitles, and I'm not going to besmirch them for that because I know some people. Some people are like I don't want to read the movie, but some people just generally have a difficult time focusing on the film if they're also paying attention to subtitles. And I mean, if if that's the problem, I would say King of the Monsters. Exa- is exactly. Exactly. Go. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, Godra. But I think if if I, if as far as the easiest watch for a first time kaiju goer, 
I, I would probably say King of the Monsters is the easiest for mm-hmm. an at least an American viewer. Right, right. Even what though you? We, we did like Godzilla reads again, I would actually suggest Rodan because I mean, if you can deal with the the subtitles, it is is very enjoyable. I think that oh, it's great. I the mean, fact that it is you know one of our top five movies yeah, it's and it's five. only only one in color is also i mean sometimes watching a black and white movie is itself a barrier for some people so even mm-hmm. godzilla might be difficult but it looks great and mysterians is too kind of up there even though it's 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 a wonky film like it's a, it feels it, like a it, 60s it is a, film. It, it is a, it is a wonky film what do you think is the film that is the best of the worst or the most most fun to put on and make fun of with your your friends and that's and why is it the giant claw (laughs) yeah i i was probably thinking the giant claw there's yeah because (laughs) it's the goofiest kaiju i think it's also got some weird stuff like i think one of the newscasters describes the devastation as a fantastic orgy of destruction (laughs) and this also has like the wild scenes where like the guy just kisses her when she's asleep (laughs) it's got it's got a lot of weirdness going on in it and i I feel like it's the only one that realizes it's total schlock (laughs) like they embrace how bad it is well we're gonna probably get a lot but one thing the one thing is both giant claw and the beginning of the end is the the monster's roar is (laughs) absolutely unpleasant and does actively repel me from watching those films again. So I could even be convinced that the, the if, if I'm having friends over and we're drinking and watching a bad movie, Deadly Mantis would be one I could I could slap on. Deadly Mantis is up there too. I that it, it takes itself very seriously, which is which is that's hilarious. What makes it funnier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That, that's the majority of the questions that I had. We got some superlatives for the best, the worst, things we'd recommend some favorite characters keep those in mind we'll, we'll watch the 60s movies with with those in mind but i'm i'm calling it that's going to do for season one of kaiju versus history yeah and i w- i would say you know outside you have some superlative films mostly a stinker of a decade <laughs> I, uh, oh you know it'd be interesting to if we added up the entire added up, scores, yeah, yeah, all the scores and got an average. I, I, the, the average for this one would probably be like a five or a six. It'd be I, would, I would imagine. I would. We'll do that for the sixties, but I would imagine this is a five or six because yeah. I, mean, you, I mean, outside of the top five, everything else we did tw- twenty something movies. Everything else is much lower. Twenty one films and. We did get, well, the highest high here, uh, obviously a 10 out of 10, right. our, our, but we got multiple four. four yeah, four we got a lot tens. of fours. I think we had one three. But yeah, we got we got greats like King Kong. Even if you don't enjoy it, it is obviously the, yes, the it's classic. start of the idea. We got mainstays and Godzilla and Rodan and a dozen terrible B-movies <laughs> that some of them did very well financially, but in the yeah. annals of kaiju history, you know, they don't have sequels. They don't really have much of a, a place in today's movies. Right. And I mean, there's a, a lot of, we had a lot of Toho and Hollywood lore that we dove in. And there's a whole lot more coming up. Uh, like I mentioned about <laughs> lost films there. I mean, 
I, and that's why I want us to have a kind of a, a separate, like maybe every quarter or something, do something like that, because it's going to be hard to keep up with some of these movies that started off as 12 other different movies. Oh yeah. Toho, um, Toho did that, especially the, uh... Oh yeah. King Kong versus Godzilla started off as like three different movies. Um, so yes, we'll talk a little bit about them, but I think we should probably have a couple of lost movie episodes, mm-hmm. but we're going to, we're going to, uh, take time to dive into films from most probably the most kaiju film decade ever i, I would yeah. say that that of the 70s but probably the 60s oh definitely and, definitely the 60s i think we are going to add about 10 to 12 more movies compared to season one, one. yeah so we're going we're going to about 30 and films season one in includes movies from the 40s and 30s yes exactly so it's actually yeah. a, a much much heavier decade but i mean you've got a, a huge amount of Godzilla movies. Yeah. You've got Gamera. You've got da- Dai doing uh, Daijaman and about three or four different Godzilla knockoffs outside of Gamera. So huge decade. Is there anything you're super excited about getting into yeah. season two? I mean, obviously, I'm excited to revisit some of these Godzilla movies. Some of them I haven't seen in a while. And again, since we started do- talking about doing this project, I've purposely not watched stuff. And I'm actually really excited to go into the Daijaman trilogy. I Mm -hmm. have not seen these films. And there was recently an Arrow put out a gorgeous looking set for the Daijaman trilogy. They're the same Mm -hmm. company that put out the amazing Gamera collections. You had the the initial one, which was the entire uh, franchise. Then they separated into the, the Showa and Heisei era. And because the high state era was basically the trilogy plus the brave. Yep. And then they also had one that was just the trilogy. So the, these are films that I, I have had the least amount of interaction with, and I'm really excited to, to watch them because I think then they all come out in the, the same year. Two came out in 19. No, they all came out in 1966. Two of them. I, I guess they were spaced out a, a few months apart. Each of them. I think I think they were all filmed though back to back. That's 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 crazy. So yeah. I'm I am extremely excited to, to check this out. I know that there have been like there was a, a TV version in the last 10 years, and I think there is like it's popping up in this new Japanese movie, The Great Yokai yep. War. Correct. Yeah. So a history. Uh, a character with some legacy. I'm excited to get to that as well. Besides Godzilla, which is obviously a huge part of the decade, there there are a ton of other Toho monster films. I actually am very excited to to get to, like from Atragon to Frankenstein Conquers the World. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of like kind of like one off monster movies that don't get as much love. I think as, as I mean. They don't get as much love as Godzilla. I'm I'm excited to to dive dive into those. Even stuff like Latitude Zero. I'm excited to to jump into. Oh yeah, kind of science fictiony movies, kind of like the Mysterians. But yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I mean, huge monsters. We got King Ghidorah going to be introduced. Mothra before him, and our our return of King Kong. And my boy Gamera, I love Gamera. So big I know you do. decade. But this is the end of the 1950s and, and earlier. Make sure to follow us on 
at, at Kaiju versus History on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast feed if you've enjoyed this season, but <laughs> definitely subscribe if you are a fan of 1960s monster movies because that is what is coming up. I'm 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 so excited. One, I'm excited to leave this decade behind <laughs> and and really dive into some some interesting films, some more films from Ashiro Honda that mm-hmm. we're going to get to see. And I, I, I'm always excited to watch his films. And I'm, I'm glad even with the, you know, the creation of, of the, the, the biography about him and putting more of a focus on all of his work and not just his science fiction work. I'm excited to want that. We are watching kind of most of his science fiction work. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's really, really, really fun to watch all of that. So it feels I'm, like- I'm excited. It feels like we've eaten our vegetables on the plate, and now we get to to dive into the steak. You know, <laughs> rotten vegetables. <laughs> we we've eaten the Brussels sprouts, the cauliflower, those kind of things. Uh, I love Brussels sprouts, so <laughs> hush. Well, you didn't <laughs> love the nineteen fifties ones. Yeah, uh, again, that's why I said rotten vegetables. Right. So that's gonna that's gonna do it for us. Take take us out, Miles. Patrick. Thanks for talking to me about the 1950s kaiju. And we are going to return next week in order to start the 1960s with a new monster lizard attack. But this time, he's not attacking the Japanese. No, no. He's attacking the Danes in a 1961 film that's going to be quite an interesting experience for us. So check out next week's episode to hear about history versus reptilicus. Reptilicus.